0: wrapping up a series this morning uh, called We Need to Talk, and we've been talking about these communication skills, and I have to admit that I'm thrilled uh, beyond measure at the response that we've gotten. Yeah, we've stirred up some hornet's nest. We've gotten some people talking about things uh, that they haven't talked about for a very long time, and that can be a painful journey. Pastor Andy's counseling schedule has been really, really full over the last few weeks, and uh, uh, and he's loving every minute of it because we see healing and health and wholeness come. But for those of you that are new, we've been talking now for four or five weeks about this idea that words are are actually seeds that get planted, and they produce a harvest. And, and the kind of words that you plant produce determine the kind of harvest that you're going to get in your relationships. And so we've talked about uh, ineffective ways, unhealthy ways, sinful ways that we communicate to one another. We've talked about listening skills and learning to pay attention uh, a lot. Last week we talked about what do you do when communication breaks down? And, uh, and, uh, and again, the response has been huge. Thank you so much. If you've missed any of these messages, then just email us at info uh, We got all kinds of requests last week for last week's uh, manuscript. I saw on Facebook yesterday there's about 2,000 people that have watched that message uh, online since the services last Sunday. So God is really at work and helping us. Today I want to tie this whole thing together and wrap it up to move into a whole new series next week we're calling Chain Reaction. But for now, what I want to do is I want to to make sure that we're clear that communication at the end of the day is not about conveying information. Just let that sit for a minute. Communication at the end of the day, when you get to the bottom line of the whole thing, communication is not about conveying information. It's about communicating uh, love, care, respect. It's about relationships. At the end of the day, communication is about making sure that our relationships are healthy and strong, and there are two reasons for that, two very critical reasons that I want you to miss, and I want to make sure we get this before we wrap this series up. Reason number one, you tell me if it's true, the highest highs in our lives and the lowest lows in our lives are tied to relationships. Can I get an amen in the house? I mean, it's true, isn't it? I mean, at the end of the day, it is our relationships that create those euphoric times and they create those abysmal times. It's all about relationships. But far more important than that, here's what Jesus said about our love and the way we communicate it. John 13, 35, by this, all men, and what does all include when you see it in Scripture? All. This is everybody will know that you're my disciples if you get your theology right. If you get your doctrine squared away. If you dress a certain way, if you go to the right church, stop me when I get to the right phrase. What, what is it? If you love one another. Hear me, guys. Jesus gave the entire unbelieving world the right to decide whether, in fact, we are followers of Jesus Christ on the basis of how we love each other. Comes down to that. And so it becomes critical that we learn how to communicate not just words, not just information, but that we learn how to communicate love at a deeply personal, intimate kind of level. So, to understand that, that's what we're wrapping the series up with. You need to understand what Jesus said about this thing. Matthew chapter 12, verses 34 and 5. You brought your Bible, brought your smartphone. You can flip to that, go to the Bridge NC app. I've got all the notes there. You can follow along. It'll be on the screens as well, but let's read the scriptures together. Matthew chapter 12, 34 and 5 from the NIV. Here, are you ready to get into it? Here we go. One, two, three, go. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil thoughts uh, of the evil stored up in him. That says to me that communication does not originate in the mind. Communication originates in the where? In the heart. So, if you really want to communicate effectively to the people that you're in relationships, and I've said it every week, I'll say it again. I, you know, we often kind of think about these things in in terms of marital relationships, and it's true. But this is parent-child relationships. This is coworker relationships. This is church fellow church member relationships. This is next door neighbor relationships. Every kind of relationship. Those things start with the heart. And so, if you want to communicate effectively to the people that you're in relationship with, you have to learn how to communicate heart. To heart not just mouth to mouth does that make sense the good news is Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book several years ago some of you are probably familiar with it, it's been around for a while uh, that he called the five love languages and the whole point of his book is is that hearts speak and hear love uh, in a, a heart language The point he makes in his book is is that there are several different languages of love. And so if we really want to communicate effectively, we need to understand, we need to speak the language of love. Now here's where it gets challenging because there are several different languages of love. Chances are you're relating to somebody who speaks in a different language than you do okay? And so here's the challenge. If you went to a foreign country, and you did not speak the language of that country, and you, you started to ask people on the street for directions to a certain place, and you didn't speak German, and they didn't speak English, do you have a problem? You got a big problem, don't you? Because you haven't learned how to communicate in the language that the other one speaks. Hear me, guys. For an awful lot of you, the communication is failing for you and your relationships, not because of some big, hairy conflict. It's because you haven't learned your partner's language. You're not speaking in the language that they understand. And so today in the time we have, I want to introduce these languages. I realize again, some of you, the book's been around for a while, and, and I actually hesitated to teach this message because I figured, ah, that's old news. But in case we uh, haven't heard it and we haven't gotten it, and for those of you that got it a long time ago need a refresher on it, I want to introduce you to or kind of unpack briefly the five primary love languages and, uh, and help you to begin to apply those things in your lives. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to listen with both ears today, okay? I want you to listen to with one ear, thinking in terms of, uh, is that my love language? Because if you don't know for sure, then I'm going to help you kind of think through, is that my heart language? Is that the language uh, that I want to hear love spoken in? Uh, and the other ear, I want you to think about at least one primary relationship you have. It may be a child that you're having trouble connecting with or, 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 again, a spouse, a coworker, whatever. But I want you to think in terms of at least one relationship that you're struggling with. And I want you to see if you can catch their language as we walk through this. And, uh, and I believe we can take this whole thing to another level of, uh, of communication skills before we... Uh, before we move forward uh, and, and move on to the next series, okay? Is that worth a few minutes of our time? Let's see if we can unpack this one. Now, before we get started, i got one, one more thing. I'm going to give you a word picture in your mind so that it can help you with this thing. Picture, again, this person that you're in relationship with and you want to learn to communicate respect and care and love to, I want you to uh, uh, imagine that, that just above their stomach is another tank. And that tank is their love tank. And I want you to imagine that it is your job to keep that tank full, okay? It's your job to check it once in a while and say, how you doing? Are you on empty? Are you half full? How's it going? And, and then I want you to think in terms of what would it take f- to fill their tank from time to time? What would I need to do differently in relationship with this person to make sure that that tank, not just their stomach tank, but their love tank, stays Full, because hear me, when the tank runs dry, life is bad. When the tank runs dry, communication stifles. When the tank runs dry, we find ourselves thinking, why am I in relationship with this person? And it may simply be that you haven't been filling their emotional love tank recently, and it's time for you to do it. So to keep it full, first of all, you have to learn your language. But then you also have to learn theirs so that you're not just speaking in your language, you're speaking in theirs. Are we together? We got this going? We're ready to get into it? There are five love languages. I want to describe them to you. I want to give you a biblical example of, of each because this is not a, a, a secular seminar. This is the word of God that we're teaching this morning. I want to give you a biblical example of each and then And then we're just going to come down to what are we going to do about this thing. Here we go. The first love language is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Mark Twain said, I can live for two months on a good compliment. Anybody love a good compliment? Anybody love a good compliment? Nobody's raising your hand. Okay. Some of you won't be surprised to know this is my love language. I love words. I love to talk. I love to listen. I love to exchange words. For me, when somebody pays attention to what i got to say, it just communicates love to me. And when when they're willing to tell me what's going on and I can listen to them, it communicates love to me. Uh, But nothing takes it to the next level more than a word of affirmation. I was in a store one day, some time ago, and... uh, and there was a lady in the store, probably maybe 50 or so, uh, but she was on a walker. And I wasn't sure what happened to her, but but she was walking kind of feebly with a walker. And, and so I, I bought what I was going to buy. I went to the cash register, and and uh, she was ahead of me in line. But, but, of course, when I finished with the cash register, it took her longer to get to the front door than me. And so I kind of went around. I didn't want to make her feel like I was cutting her off. I went around, went to the door, and I held the door for her as she walked through. And as she walked through the door, she looked up at me, and she said, well... You're as kind as you are good looking. (laughs) Now, my tank is full. I'm just going, cool. Then, of course, she said, "Uh, I'm brain damaged. I had a car accident. Probably right back down again. But, man, I mean, my tank is full. I walked out of the parking lot, kid you not. There are two guys standing around. They're obviously confused. I said, can I help you guys? Total strangers. Can I help you guys with something? Well, we don't know where to find something, and I helped them find something they were looking for. Man, because my tank is full. I got some stuff running over. I want to give it to somebody. Why? Because somebody gave me a compliment. That's what happens to people that, for whom words of affirmation are their love language. But compliments aren't the only kind of affirming words you can give. Let me just mention three right quick and we'll move on. Encouraging words can be can communicate love. You know, you know what the word encourage means. It means to inspire, to courage. So let me just ask you, have you ever found yourself in a place where you're, you're facing a daunting challenge, you're feeling a little insecure, you're facing a giant, you're not sure if you can do it, you don't know if you've got the courage to, to, to take this on and somebody comes along and says, man, you got this are you kidding me? You got this. And and I got your back. If something comes up, man, you just call me, man. Anybody ever been there? And it just kind of fills you up all of a sudden. You say, man, I can do this thing because that's what happens. Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up, especially if his love language is words of affirmation. Kind words is a word of affirmation that can be Helpful kindness isn't just about the words we use; it's about how we use those words. We talked about it during the series. Ninety-three percent of communication has nothing to do with the words that we use. They have to do with facial expression and tone of voice and and body language. So, you know, if you're talking to your spouse and and you say, you know, I I I I I, I know you worked hard today, and, and I tell you what, you, you just sit and relax and. And I'll do dinner and, and afterwards I'll clear the table and, and I'll do the dishes tonight. You just take the night off, just kind of chill and uh, just take it easy. I mean, you can say that in a kind kind of way and fill some people's emotional tank right up. You can do the same thing. You can say, okay, I'll do dinner. Sit down. I'll, all right, I'll clear the table. All right, I'll do the dishes. Any emotional tanks getting filled today? None. Not because of the words you used, you said the same words, you just said them in a different way. So kindness in the way you say words can fill some people's emotional tank. Even potentially uh, hard conversations, volatile conversations can be done kindly. In fact, Proverbs 15.1 says a gentle answer calms a person's anger, but an unkind word will cause more. Anger. And so, again, the way you communicate, the way you talk can fill somebody's emotional tank or empty it rapidly. Humble words is another good example of affirming uh, language. Uh, just, just because love makes requests. Love doesn't make demands. Anytime you, you demand something from somebody, you may get what you're after, but you're not going to fill their love tank in the process of doing that. And hear me, guys, this may be a challenge for some of you, but, but hear me, you can convey humility even when you're the one in authority. It amazes me uh, when I listen to parents all too often when as soon as they start to give their kids direction, they immediately go to the harsh tone. They immediately go to the angry tone they immediately go to the loud tone. Why, why do you have to immediately go there? Well, because that's the only time they hear me. Well, maybe that's because you've conditioned them not to listen until you go there. It's amazing how even when you're in authority, uh, a humble way of communicating can can get what you need and at the same time fill up somebody's um, emotional tank a supervisor can take authority over an employee and still do it in a humble kind of way and fill their tank i mean the church office uh, if i could say it is, is an example of that i think everybody in our staff and and our church understands my role as lead pastor as, as senior pastor of the bridge church uh, inc i mean we understand that that because of the responsibilities that i accept there's a certain authority that i have and and i accept those responsibilities and i recognize the authority that comes from that because authority and responsibility in God's kingdom always goes together and when they work together in in concert that's a good thing and so I accept that but if I go down to Miss Andrea's office our office manager and and I stick my head in her door you can ask her what I do I stop at her door and I ask permission to come in I don't have to get her permission to come in what am I doing I'm sending a message that I respect you and I respect your place and then I walk in, and I'll say, I realize your plate is full, and now you've probably got a lot going on, but it would help me a lot if you would do this or that. Is it possible you could take care of that for me today or, or this week? Is that something you could do? 99.9% of the time she'll say, sure, man, I got that. Yeah, absolutely. I'll take care of that for you, and I'll get back to you. I could walk in and say, drop what you're doing. This is what I need, and I have the authority to do that. But hear me, morale's going down, and productivity's going down with it. But I can fill her emotional love tank, respect tank, care tank, and get what I need at the same time. So when she says, yeah, I can take care of that, my response is, again, ask her. This is kind of the way I do things. I'll say, man, you are so awesome. Man, I just respect you. Love you so much. Matt's taking her away from us, and I'm really mad at Matt for that. But anyway, I love you, Matt. But you understand what I'm trying to say? Even when you're in authority over a child or a co-worker or whatever, you can still do that with kindness and you can fill people's love tanks by using affirming words, particularly if that is their primary love language. Ready for number two? Number two is quality time. Now notice I didn't just say time. I said quality time. Uh, Dr. Chapman talks about a couple, as an example, who were in crisis that he worked with, and he asked them uh, what they understood the problem to be, and she said, uh, well, my husband doesn't love me. And Dr. Chapman said, why would she say that? And, he's, and the husband said, I, I don't know. I tell her every morning before I leave for work, I love you. I tell her every night before we go to sleep, I love you. I, I don't I don't understand why she wouldn't, Believe that I love her when I say it over and over and over and over again. And as they dug into it, they discovered that her father always said those words too. But he never attended any of her special events. He never went to any of her recitals or graduations. He was always busy with something else. And she struggled because of that to believe that her father loved her at all. So now she's married to a man that speaks the same language, words. But words is not a language that communicated love to her. So Dr. Chapman said he pulled the husband aside and challenged him to think back. When was, when was the time that she seemed to truly feel loved by you? And it didn't take long for the husband to realize that it was when they did some activities and events together. And uh, in fact, he discovered that her most recent complaints had to do with, we never do anything together like we used to. You're too busy for me, she would say. He began to realize that her love language was not words. Her love language was quality time. And in fact, he had focused so much attention on building a career and building a house and, and, and accumulating things that he neglected the very people that he said he was doing those things for. In The process of doing these things, he failed to communicate love to her. So what do you do if you want to fill the love tank of somebody wh- whose primary love language is quality time? Make sure you've got some shared activities. A- and let me just throw this in. When I say shared activities, I'm not talking about parallel activities. If you're sitting in front of the television together, you are spending time together, but Netflix has your attention. I'm talking face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, spending focus time on each other, find a way to do that kind of stuff, not just shared activities, uh, but it might be, uh, you know, fun stuff or a project. I mean, you decide what works for you. Uh, Kim and I have never been able to do this. I'm not saying you have to do it. Kim and I just aren't good at this. The things she likes to do, uh, I don't like to do. She loves to cook and bake and sew, and, and I like to cut wood and play golf. I mean, she doesn't like doing any of those things, and I don't like to do that stuff. So we've struggled for 43 years with this idea of, of the couples that, that work together, do projects together, they stay together. Well, it just hasn't been defining for us. <coughs> Thankfully, <coughs> that's not my love language or hers either. <coughs> Excuse me. That's neither one of our love languages. But if you are in relationship with somebody this is their love language, you've got to spend some time together. And it might be quality conversation. But it's different from, from affirming words. It's not about uh, what you say. It's about listening. It's about paying attention. Uh, Jesus modeled this for us with his disciples. He would teach this huge crowd, and then he would take his disciples away. He would feed thousands, and then he would take his disciples away. And one of those occasions, he would ask them questions. Here's one, uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 13 to 15. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Now, I need you to understand something. Jesus was not asking that question because he wanted the information. He and the Father were one. He knew the answers to those questions. Why did he ask those questions? Because he wanted to give them an opportunity to talk. He wanted to give them an opportunity to offload what they were hearing and thinking. He wanted to share with them how much he loved them by spending time with them and listening to them. When you do that, especially with somebody for whose love language is is time together, quality time, you can almost see their emotional tank filling up. The third language that Dr. Chapman talks about is giving and receiving gifts. Giving and receiving gifts. There's so many examples of this one in Scripture, but I think probably one of my favorites is at a time when Jesus was coming very close to Calvary and uh, paying the price for our sin, going through what he ultimately went through. He knew what was before him. And he's getting close to that, and he's spending more and more time with his disciples during those last days. And in one of those occasions, he's having dinner with his disciples, and this lady walks in. Matthew 26, 7. While Jesus was there, a woman approached him with an alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She poured this perfume on Jesus' head while he was eating. What was she doing? She was communicating love to him in the only way that she knew how, that for her was giving an expensive gift. She was anointing him for the burial that was to come is what she was doing. But at the end of the day, she was communicating love by a gift. Can I tell you that it doesn't take me long, didn't take me long at all in this church to figure out whose love language is giving of gifts? Because when I do something nice for you or I say something nice or encourage you in some way, (coughs) you will bring me a gift. I've got plaques. I've got little signs. I get these little gifts. They're not expensive kind of things, but I get these gifts. And when I get one of those things, they are so precious to me, I've got a box full of them in my attic over the last 45 years of doing ministry of people that have given me these various things over the years. And I know every one of them is, is somebody who has, whose primary love language is giving of gifts who's trying to communicate love to me. My favorite on that subject, though, was the time in Chesapeake, Virginia, when we were pastoring there and we got a new secretary receptionist. And I decided that Sunday that I, would, uh, that I would initiate her into the church. And so I said, hey, everybody say hey to, to Miss Mary. Uh, uh, she's our new receptionist. When you call the church office, these days you're going to be hearing Miss Mary's voice. Uh, in fact, Miss Mary got a phone call this week. And uh, she, I don't think she quite knew what to do with it at first. Uh, and this guy called and he said, I need to talk to the head hog. And she said, well, sir, I'm sorry. We, we don't speak to our, uh, about our pastor in those kinds of terms. I'm not going to put you through. And he said, well, I don't, I don't want to offend nobody. I just want to talk to the head hog. And she said, well, I'm sorry. I, I'm, in fact, I'm not even going uh, to, not just am I not going to put you through. I'm about to hang up on you. We're not, we don't talk about our pastor that way. He said, well, again, I don't mean to offend nobody. I just got a $10,000 donation I'd like to give. She said, I see the big pig coming now. <laughs> Now, you understand that didn't happen. I was just having fun. But the next week, somebody brought me a pig music box little miss piggy on the top of the music box spinning around in a tutu the next week somebody brought me a calendar with pigs over the next few months i got all kind i got a box full of pig paraphernalia i became pastor pig i just you know but it was people whose love language was giving of gifts that brought me those gifts we finally stopped it cuz the children started calling me pastor pig and i said okay enough we've had fun let's stop this one But, you know, I love that kind of stuff. I just, my gift, you know, gift giving is not my love language, but I love that because I know they're giving out of this expression of love and it communicates that to me. Now, you may think I'm weird to like that kind of stuff, but I'll be honest with you. I prefer it to, to going out to lunch on a Sunday afternoon, going down to McCall's and having one of you slip up behind me and pour a bucket of perfume on my head. I mean, I would rather have a pig music box than that. You with me? What am I saying? I'm saying for some people, this is a love language. And if you are uh, married or in relationship with somebody, that's their love language, then you need to keep this in mind. And they don't have to be expensive gifts. Though, guys, jewelry is good. Jewelry is good. Uh, but they don't have to be expensive. It can be simple little things that say, I was thinking about you when we were apart, and this is my way of saying that I love you even when I'm not here. It can be a powerful instrument to communicate love at a uh, emotional level care love respect the fourth love language that dr chapman talks about is acts of service and again there's so many examples in scripture but the ultimate example comes again from jesus In John chapter 13, verses 3 through 5, Jesus knew that the Father had given him power over everything and that he'd come from God and was going back to God. During the meal, Jesus stood up and took off his outer clothing, taking a towel, he wrapped it around his waist, he poured water into a bowl and began to wash the followers' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now understand, in that culture... In that time, people wore sandals most of the time, and they walked on dry, dusty kinds of roads. And so it was a common practice when you went into somebody's home that they had a servant of some sort whose job was when you arrived to wash your feet. And so you would come in, and and, and that was the first act of kindness, the first act of welcome. Like we may offer somebody, can I get you a glass of water? Can I get you a glass of tea? They would say, can we wash your feet? That's what they did. But it was always kind of the lowest uh, servant in the team that did that. And here's Jesus wrapping a towel around his waist, having just said, I know that all authority is given to me, and, and he washes their feet. He sends a message to his disciples in this act of service that demonstrated his love. I learned a long, long time ago that this is Kim's primary love language. And when I finally figured that out, mine being words and hers being acts of service, I realized we were not communicating at the level that we needed to. And when I discovered this and I began to change the way I approached her in terms of communication, you know, things changed dramatically for us. I, I figured out eventually that when Kim was stressed, when Kim was down, when she was struggling somehow with something, in other words, when her emotional tank was empty... I would slip home from work when I knew she was not going to be there, and I would do some cleaning. It wouldn't have to be, you know, amazing. I'd just vacuum, and you could see the vacuum marks on the rug, you know. I'd go home and make the bed because we left early that morning, didn't get a chance to make the bed, I, and I didn't do it very well, but I did it, you know. I just kind of make the bed. And and I know because I knew when Kim came home, it was always amazing to me to watch when she'd come in, and she would see it immediately, and her eyes would fill. And I know I just I just got this whole kind of love tank thing just filled up, which if you don't mind me saying, kind of, paid benefits to me, too, because she's got her tank filled up. Don't look at me and laugh like that. Just because there's snow on the mountaintop don't mean there ain't no fire in the fireplace. Come on. (laughs) So I've learned that that the condition of Kim's well-being is often tied to the conditions of the house that we live in. So the things that need to be repaired, projects need to be finished, her stress levels start to build. That's just what happens. And if I want to fill her tank up, then I need to uh, to fill those things. I need to do those things. I need to accomplish those things. I need to call somebody. You know, if I don't know how to use a toolbox, then I'll get a checkbook. I mean, I'll get, find a way to get it done so that her tank is is filled. And so, you know, when Kim comes to me every now and then and says, you know, Jim, can, can, can we just take a day? <clears throat> and not start anything new? Because that's my MO. I'm, I'm 80% done with that one. I'm ready to do the next thing. Uh, can we not start anything new? Uh, I got this list of unfinished projects I'd really like to do. In the early days of our marriage, I chafed at that. In the early days of our marriage, I would say, phew, she doesn't understand. I've already got my, my mindset. I'm already starting this next project in my head, and Saturday's my day off, and I'm going to be working on that. Now I've realized that what she's actually saying to me is my tank is getting a little bit empty. She's not, not trying to nag me to get something finished. Well, maybe she is, but that's not the <laughs> primary issue. It's that her emotional tank is running low, and it needs to be refilled. Is this making sense, guys? When you start thinking in terms of not only your love language, but the love language of the people that you are relating to, whatever that relationship is, then it goes a long way to communicating respect and care and even love at an emotional level, heart-to-heart kind of level. The fifth one that Dr. Chapman talks about is physical touch. And yes, there are all kinds of studies that are done that, uh, that communicate how critical physical touch uh, is. I mean, the, even in hospital nurseries, Uh, If mama has a hard time in birth and she's not available and dad's not available, he's off doing something else during the day, they'll bring volunteers in to rock the babies because what they've discovered is that babies thrive when they're touched. The nurses are busy taking care of lots of kids, and so they'll have somebody come in and just sit there and rock the baby uh, because mama or daddy or other close family members are not available to do it. Why? Because physical touches is huge, in terms of our whole well being. But what I want you to hear is way before those studies were done, Jesus modeled that too. Luke chapter 18, verse 15 to 16. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What's he saying? He said, Bring me them young, as I'm going to touch them. Because I know that there's something going on when I do, when I lay hands on them, when I hold them in my arms, there's something that goes on in the spirit that you can't see, but it's very real. On a spiritual level, on an emotional level, we're sending a, a message, uh, and it has a, an emotional impact, but it also has a physical impact. We had good friends when we were missionaries to the Philippines who lived in Manila, and Manila has a lot of the 10 million population kind of city. There are a lot of orphanages in Manila and and way understaffed, underfunded kind of orphanages. And so uh, this missionary couple got a heart for that and and they said, we'll take some of those babies into our home and at least get them to the place that they're ready to be adopted out. And so they would get babies into their home that were 18 to 24 months old. But when you looked at that baby, uh, it looked four months old. A baby might weigh eight pounds, not speak, not cry, just lay there. Couldn't walk, couldn't sit up, couldn't talk, couldn't nothing. This little tiny baby 18 months old, can't do anything because they simply hadn't been interacted with during all the months they were alive. They hadn't been touched and handled. And this missionary couple would take them and they would hold them and they would lift them up and they would feed them and they would care for them. And, and it was so rapid to watch them develop within a matter of months. In a month, they're starting to say words and they're starting to, to gain weight and they're starting to walk and talk. And within a few months, they'd get them adopted. out. something powerful happens when physical touch is applied appropriately. I, I, I see it all around here all the time. You guys figured me out pretty quick, didn't you? I'm a hugger. It's, I like to hug. And I understand that there are some of you who are huggers too. And I can tell you in the crowd, because when I start coming, you turn and you're coming to me. <laughs> okay, we're ready for our hugs. Let's get, Assume the position. Aha, you know, it's this or it's this. We're, you know, finding a way to bring out that hug. Others of you, I can tell that physical touch is not your love language, because when I'm coming, you're stiffening up. You're putting a hand out as far as you can get it away from you. <laughs> and so, okay, I got it. I'll shake your hand. I got it. Just, you know, but the sad ones for me are the ones that I hug and And I've heard that here. The only hug I ever get is on Sunday morning. Something powerful about physical touch, particularly when that is the person's love language. Yes, and in a marital situation, it might be holding hands, it might be kissing, it might be sexual intimacy. For some people, that sends a powerful message that fills an emotional love tank. The problem is, in marriage quite often, is it's not unusual for huggers to marry porcupines. Have you you ever seen that to be true? Hear me. If if your spouse doesn't want to hold hands in public, it does not necessarily mean that they don't love you. It just means that the, the, the physical touch is probably not their emotional love language and they haven't learned to speak yours. If you're a porcupine and you don't like that kind of stuff, but you're married to somebody who does, then maybe you need to buck up and give them the gift that they need in order to fill their emotional tank. I got to say it because of the world that we're living in and the times that we're living in. If, if we're not talking about a marital relationship, make sure that your touch is appropriate. Make sure that you, that you don't send a message you don't mean to send. And so make sure that you're clear about that when you send that touch. Make sure that you're communicating love in an appropriate, holy kind of way. I've got to wrap this up and bring this in, so let me just say this way. Whatever your language is, whether it's affirming words or quality time or gifts or acts of service or physical touch, if you want to communicate love, to the people in your life. If you want to communicate respect and care to the people in your life, you've got to remember that relationships are about communicating with the heart, not just the head. It's about feelings, not just words. And to do that, you've got to learn to speak their language. You've got to figure out what communicates to their heart and not just to their heads. So before we wrap this up, let me just quickly give you three homework assignments, okay? Just real quick, three homework assignments, and we're gonna wrap this up and we'll pray. Homework assignment number one is discover your primary love language. Discover your primary love language, and we're, we're going to make that easy for you. <coughs> In fact, go to the Bridge Church NC app, and there's a, there's a big link right there. You can click that, do a little profile, and it'll help you figure out what your love language is. Some of you have already done that. You can click on that link, say, learn your love language. Click that link. Now, don't do it now. I already told you my love language is words, saying, and being listened to, so you're going to hurt my feelings if you start now. But as soon as you get out of church, well, as soon as you get home, uh, pull out your smartphone or your iPad or whatever. And, and do it and, and walk through it. If, you, if you're not one of those technical kind of people and you don't like to do that digital kinds of stuff. Oh, by the way, the communications team, Sarah also put a little poll in there. And so it'd be cool after you do that, if you go to the poll and tell us what your love language is. And so, it, it, you know, you can see some of you have already done it. You saw it this morning. And so it, it'll tell us, you know, what are the primary love languages in our house? That'll be fun to do just for fun stuff. So go to the app, uh, take the poll, and then uh, or take the, the test and then take the poll and tell us what's going on. If you're not one of those technical types, then there are three questions you can ask. How do I often express love to other people? Chances are you're more comfortable speaking in your language than you are other people's language. Does that make sense? I mean, you can learn Spanish, but you'd probably still rather speak English because that's your heart language. Somebody from Hispanic regions can learn English, but they're probably more comfortable speaking Spanish because that's their heart language language and so you're more likely to speak in your own heart language uh, and, and so you may uh, you need to learn your own language so that you can recognize that truth and so to do that you ask yourself questions like what do I what do I usually do when I want to convey uh, love if uh, if you often tell people how you feel about them then chances are your love language is is words of affirmation. If you go around patting people on the back or, or hugging or laying a hand on a shoulder, then it may, be, it may be touch. If you find someone in need, your mind immediately goes to, what can I do to serve this person? Well, then chances are your love language is acts of service. Second question you ask is, what do I complain about the most? The the stuff that bothers you, it feels like it's missing. Those are indicators that your tank is empty, which means that you're missing out on something. And so if you find yourself saying things like, we never spend any time together, then your language might be quality time, right? Third question is, what do you request most often from others? If your child says to me, read to me, Daddy, she's probably not saying, I want to develop my reading skills, She's probably saying, I want some quality time with you. That's a message about a love language. Her wife says, can we go for a walk together? She's probably not training for the Olympics. She probably just wants some time with you. And so hold her hand while you do. Does this make sense? So the first thing you do is learn your language. The second homework assignment is help the people that you're in a relationship with to discover there. So if we're talking about an adult, get them to do the app and, and fill out that profile thing. If you're talking about your kids, there's actually an assessment uh, in, that, in that same area for kids. And so you can do that assessment for your children and learn what your children's love language is. Kim and I have talked about this a lot over the years, and we'll ask ourselves those questions. And once we discovered each other's love language, we'll actually say once in a while, how are you doing? Is your love uh, tank full? Is it empty? Uh, anything I can do this week to fill your tank up? And I know that, that, uh, that if she says yes, then there's probably some service thing that she wants me to do. If I say yes, then I'm probably feeling a little bit disconnected from her because we haven't spent time talking about what's going on in our lives. Some of you say, well, Jim, I, I hear that, but boy, that's that's a lot to learn. I mean, you know, I'm kind of old to be learning this new stuff. I, I get that. I, I decided to learn Spanish when I was 60, and phew, the only thing I ever learned is, is hola and como esta usted. I mean, I learned Ilocano when I was in my 30s, piece of cake, learned the language on the street and started communicating. Today it's harder. I get that. It can be hard to learn another language, but the benefits are huge when you do. Okay, I hear you, Pastor, but... What do you do to fill somebody else's emotional love tank when you're running on empty yourself? That's the third homework assignment, and we'll close, and that is listen to God's love for you. Listen to God's love for you. See, the good news is God speaks all five languages, and he knows yours, and he'll speak to you in the language that you can hear if it's, if it's affirming words, then hear Jesus' words on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If your love language is quality time, then know that he is available to you 24-7, 365. If it's giving gifts, remember John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If your love language is active of service, then what greater service can anyone give that he gave up the glories of heaven and gave his life for you? If it's physical touch, please know that Jesus stands ready to touch you at the point of your greatest need. Whether it's healing or you're grieving, whatever it is, Jesus stands ready to touch. He'll celebrate you. He'll grieve with you if you'll let him. Jesus speaks all five languages. Let's pray. Lord, would you speak love to us right now? You can do it at a level that none of us can because not only do you know our love language, you made us this way, but you speak all of them. (laughs) So I pray right now in the quietness of this moment that you would speak love to each of us. And I realize in a moment like this, there may be people in the room or people watching online that that are not even sure that you're there, much less that you care. But I pray somehow that you would cut through the doubt and cut through the fear, Lord, and speak to them at the level that only they can. Show them in some way If not in these next few moments, then in the next few hours or days, show them some way that speaks to their love language how much you love them. And then, Lord, as you fill our tanks, would you give us the ability to fill the tanks of the people that are around us who are counting on us to help them through the difficulties of living in this sin-cursed world? In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed for just a minute. I want you to pray with me simply, and then I'll let you go. Simple prayer, but it's going to be powerful if you get it. Let me tell you what it is, and then you can decide if you want to pray it. First of all, Lord, show me my love language. Secondly, Lord, show me the love language of the primary relationships in my life. And third, would you fill me up with your love? You guys ready to pray that prayer? You pray it in your own words, silently or aloud, but let's pray that. Lord, I really want to know what fills me up because sometimes I find myself running on empty, and I'm not even sure what it will take to fill it up. So show me my love language. Help me to understand what it is so that I'm not going to all the wrong places and wrong methods to get filled up because they don't work. And then, Lord, would you show me the love language of the people that I'm in primary relationships with and help me to understand that if I want to be in a healthy relationship with them, it's more than conveying information. It's about speaking heart to heart, communicating respect and care and, and even love. And then, Lord, would you make up the difference between what I'm capable of and what those relationships call on me for by filling me up with your love. You see us. You know who we are. Speak to us today. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? The altars are open. The prayer team's going to be here to speak with you today, to pray with you. Maybe you just need to get filled up with God's love. Maybe you need a, a physical touch, a laying on of hands. They'd be thrilled to pray with you today and help you to get your tank filled so that, in fact, you can go from this place ready to be givers, purveyors of love, not just recipients of it. Father, take us from this place. Use us for your glory. Build your kingdom through our efforts, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.